listening to The Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is The Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, part of the Libsyn Network, just about anywhere you get your good and bad podcasts. We are there. Uh, you follow us on the internet, localbarmedia.com. Uh, you can check us out. Uh, sometimes we put some stuff up over on the Facebook and Twitter. Both of those are Local Bar Media. I believe the same with Instagram. We're told every day we need to do more with Instagram. We're trying to do more with Instagram. Um, Instagram's not known for being an audio an audio thing, but we're, we're, we're trying. We're working on it. Uh, you can find us in all those places. But if you want to be a part of the show, you want to send anything my way, questions, comments, concerns. By the way, somebody asked me, asked me this the other day. If you've got like audio files you want to send to the show, send them. Chad at localbarmedia.com. Love to hear them. A lot of musicians want me to promote their stuff. I, by the way, let me answer that off the top. The reason I use Don's music is because I have that, that access to Don's music. I have the rights to Don's music. I'm, I'm allowed to do that through Don. I've been blessed by King Don to do that. Um, plus, I like to promote my boy's music. For those of you that are new to the show, the show we the music we use is Don's. Um, Don Merkle, by the way. Don Merkle, singer-songwriter, singer, fantastic guy. Go check him out. DonMerkle.com, I believe. I may just be making that up, but check him out. Um, I can't. It's hard for me in the in the days of, especially with YouTube, anything that we want to do in the future, we can't have that stuff. I mean, I, people have asked why I don't do more with YouTube. We are working on that, but we actually have to also go back and strip out all the music, even the stuff I've created. Uh, and obviously the shows that I did before in the past that were music shows. Yeah, those, are, those, are, those can't go. Uh, but if you want to send me something and want me to listen to it, maybe if I can promote it, I, I don't mind talking to you about that. Chat at localbarmedia.com. Send it. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash localbar. And yes, I have heard from some of you about not wanting to use Patreon. Uh, we are working on another way to, to, to help support the show. How you doing? I am... Um, it's Easter. The, 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 I'm finishing the show up here. I had a conversation the other day. By the way, I get, I'm bringing you one of my favorite interviews I've done in a very long time. Uh, host of the Chad Prather Show, a guy from Blaze TV. He is on, you, you've probably heard him if you're a Glenn Beck fan. For years, he's been part of their group. Uh, Stand-up comedian from around the world, Mr. Chad Prather himself. You've probably seen a lot of his videos being passed around by all of your friends. Really cool guy. More of a local boy than I realized, even though he lives out in Texas from Augusta, Georgia, about an hour away from where we stand right now. So uh, a really cool uh, conversation with him. Great conversation with him. And something I think that we all need to hear, uh, especially right now. So it's Easter. And so the the we go to a church where obviously right now we're doing we've been doing everything online and um the preacher, I love her to death. She's she's really cool. Um, she gets up to speak. She speak she speaks in kind of this like spoken word kind of rapport, and, and she's 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 really she's fun to listen to. She's very interesting to listen to. Um, 
but she started it. She kept saying over and over again that, that this is a weird time. This is all weird. Easter's weird. Um, and I and I agree with her. I don't think I agree with her for the same point she was trying to get across today. See, she was talking today about the holidays, about Easter, about how it's different right now. We we can't wear our pretty dresses and our, our nice new uh, ties and go to church and, and do those things and see each other and walk up and give big hugs and say Happy Easter and see all the joyous parts of Easter. No, we, we sit in solitude. And, and it, was a, it was a brilliant point that she made, uh, equating it to how the disciples must have felt, not on Sunday, but on Saturday. For those of you that are outside the Christian faith, um, what we look at is that uh, Jesus was crucified on Friday, he rose from the dead on Sunday, and there's the day on Saturday that is probably, I contend, the most important, I don't say most important. Dad would disagree with me saying that. One of the most overlooked days that we should do a better job observing. Um, the day that all the people that loved Jesus, that knew him, that followed him, sat and believed that everything was over, that nothing was happening, that all that they fought for and believed in was now gone and never coming back and had a vicious ending to it. Now, we know about the Sunday and we know about the joyous occasion and the trumpets blasting in your church and all the gorgeous lilies and, and everybody wearing their lily Pulitzer crap. And we, we know that. And chocolate bunnies and um, you know, all, all the stuff that we steal from the pagans. All, all that. Okay, that, that's what we know. What we, what we don't really think about is, is that time of reflection. And, and the, Dawn was kind of saying that today, that... Um, Sometimes our faith is that triumphant. Sometimes it's just one-on-one, and it's, it can be during some, some times of solitude that, that aren't because of a quarantine. It's because of where you are in your life. And it, it was a brilliant point. But I, I, think it was, uh, I, I think it's weird for a different reason. And I think it's weird for a reason that it, it needs to be at this time and place. As a, um, as a dad in a blended family. Maria and I have had uh, uh <laughs> our holidays are different. Like if you're if you've been a fan of the show for the, the past 5 years, you've heard me say once Halloween hits, that sprint to the end of the year is strange for us. And Maria and I have done we don't deserve an award for this. If you if you've listened to our other show Welding a Family, Maria and I are more giving with the holidays. We're, we're a little bit more upfront, and we tell the other parent, why don't you, you go ahead and do Christmas Day? You, you go ahead and do Thanksgiving Day. We'll do Thanksgiving breakfast. We don't mind doing that. Hell, we've even celebrated Christmas in February before with her family because it's more about what we're doing than it being at the actual time. And seeing that parents can get really involved in the scuttlebutt of who gets who when, We've just decided, screw that. Let's really focus and make sure that not just the kids, but the family, our family, when we're together, that we do it right. And, and I will say, we have. But it makes the day different for us. Oh, Maria and I have spent some really great Thanksgivings in weird spots. Um, not just bars, but like... <laughs> 
is a ex-boyfriend of hers house one time i mean it's it's we we've, we've spent thanksgiving in, in weird places um because we still want to celebrate it and that's just a story for another another time um but there was a christmas there was a christmas that was of dire importance to me when i look back all my life and where a a, a few years ago um Right before I got divorced, there was there was kind of a shift in me that I realized that, quite frankly, I wouldn't say my priorities were out of sync or out of order, but there were things that I was ignoring, and they were having a negative effect on me that I just couldn't do anymore. It's part of my divorce, and it's a, it's a deeper part of all this that we need to go into for, for this subject here, but there was a, there was a Christmas and some of you have been a part of this, but it was a Christmas that fell on a night that there was an open mic at a comedy club. That Christmas fell on a Monday, and Maria and I were sitting around trying to figure out what we were going to do. Because again, waking up without kids... We know that we do the holiday right, but it, hey, let's face it, it's still kind of freaking sad. When you got kids and you're used to your whole life having that thing happen on Christmas, and you know your Christmas was either, you know, a couple of days ago or going to be in a few weeks, it's weird, right? It's just odd. And you, and you have to kind of, you, you have to make sure your, your priorities are in line, that Yes, we have gone through what Christmas is. We've talked about what it is towards our faith, towards our family. We, we've gone through all that. We, we've got all that figured out. But today, when you're, you're it's, it's, it's 10 o'clock, you're three Bloody Marys in. Um, you're not sure if this is how Jesus would have spent it. You, you start looking for things to do so you don't sit around and let the sadness grab you. you you've got to, you've got to be proactive with it. And Maria saw, hey, uh, New Brooklyn Tavern has got stand-up comedy open mic tonight. Let's go check it out. Okay, let's do it. It was where my uh, my stand-up, my my stand-up. Um, career I don't know to call it a career it's where the stand-up went from being something that I wanted to do since I was 12 uh became a reality the New Brooklyn Tavern uh Topher Riddle who was running that um I went there and I I watched the comedians and something brilliant happened all, all those years of preparation all those all those times that I wanted to get my five minutes on stage all that started to started to form there on a Christmas. Now, it's interesting. Um, Chad and I are about to talk here in a minute about stereotypes. And, and there is there are, there are stereotypes about people who live in the South, particularly South Carolina. We will address that a little bit. I, I want to, for those of you that don't live here, I, I want to give you a little clue in from a, from a guy who travels around the country, um, not so much around the world, but around the country often. I don't mind fessing up where we we uh, the stereotypes are there for a reason. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of it that's real, but what you don't understand is just like anywhere else, there's more diversity than you realize. It is actually more prevalent than you think. Um, it's just what the some of the leaders and the loudest mouths you may hear from where we are may give you a, a false sense 
of 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 um, reality that's here. Again, I'm not look. I'm not trying to say racism doesn't exist in this state. Oh, give me a break. But not everyone is the same. Just like in your state. Just like wherever you are. Not at, well. I mean, unless you're from Iowa, every every single thing there is the same. But but here here it it's it, it is different. Just like just like in your places, except Iowa. Um, I think uh. I think that Christmas matches this Easter for me. It was interesting. The the people I saw in that uh, in that bar that night for the stand up stuff. Something happened that I think greatly explains why we all need an Easter like this now. And I really don't want us to, to miss this message. It's, uh, it's, I think, of dire importance, like it was to me that night. I'm going to share that with you here in a moment. But first, my interview with the extremely funny cowboy hat wearing, uh, really cool, down-to-earth, super wonderfully nice guy, Chad Prather. I hope you enjoyed this interview, and I will talk to you on the other side. gentleman who um, uh, is from all the way from Texas, used to live, I just found this out talking to him before the show, they used to live over here on the border uh, in Augusta, uh, not far from us here in the uh, local bar studios in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, a man with, uh, with one of the uh, greatest names you could ever have, the other one's kind of okay, uh, host of the Chad Prather Show, Chad Prather, Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Let me tell let me tell you how small of a world it is. All right, let me hear. I grew up I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, right? Right. Uh, and my whole life spent it there. Went to the University of Georgia. Got a master's degree there in Columbia at South Carolina. Oh wow. And and my father was from Camden, South Carolina, just what, 20, 25 miles west of, of Columbia. So, you know, technically I'm a I'm a bi state citizen there as far as Georgia and South Carolina growing up. So right. that's that's home for me. All right. Now let's let's see if we get if we can get any closer. Uh when you were here at the University of South Carolina, did you ever live in the Rosewood neighborhood near the college? No, but I know people who did. Okay. That's where our studios are, right in the heart okay. of Rosewood, right here. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I know Rosewood. There were those are players to be named later. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. Are, are people that are supposed to remain anonymous <laughs> until the statute of limitations runs out, right? That's exactly right. And it's been a long time, but it's not long enough. So Chad, you you know, you you are known for uh, hosting your show that's over on the Blaze TV. You've been a part of comedy shows that that tour around. Um being a stand up comedian. The past few years has has been kind of tough, 
And when we could talk a little bit about the politics behind that and my idea that I actually truly believe that comedy can can save us. But um, now at a time period where everybody's been cooped up in their houses, what has a guy who's usually on the road as a stand up comedian, what has life been like for you? It's, it's different. It's different. I'll tell you something that was kind of funny. You know, we've been so busy over the last few years doing, I don't know, 75, 80 shows across the country every year that I told my guys out in L.A. that do my booking, you know, my agent, I said, I need some time off in the springtime. So they didn't book anything for me in April and May. So how how amazingly and, and you know. How intuitive am I to know that we were going to have a plague that was going to settle down on the planet? And uh, so I, I'm really not missing out on a whole lot of stuff, but I'm able to get a lot of things done. And you you allude to a really good point. Uh, I didn't think that people could get any more thin-skinned and offended until all of a sudden this COVID thing started settling down. And now it is absolutely illegal to make jokes or to try to be humorous because apparently everybody's supposed to be sad all the time now. Uh, people have gotten really thin-skinned. I mean, it is razor thin. You, uh, it's funny. Yeah, you you've got a, you've got a major presence on social media, so you probably see more of that th- than I do. I've yeah. started picking up on it a little bit more today, but but I'm seeing the same thing too. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, like, let's go ahead and knock this out of the way. And and I'm not saying I'm, I'm saying this more in my Dave Chappelle rolling my eyes. Of course, we feel this way. <laughs> Yes, any death is tragic and we hate it, especially when it comes at the hands of something that one day probably will be controlled. There was a day that people dying of polio was tragic. Luckily, we don't really see that in mass anymore. But with what we were looking at with the models, now that we're seeing things aren't the same, I don't mean to make light of it. We're not making light of it. I'm not I'm not wishing or happy that somebody's grandma passed away, whatever it is. All right. That out of the way. First of all, I have a hard time telling the comedian they can't make anything funny. It's my choice to listen to it if I don't. If I think your comedy is something I don't like, I find another comedian. But there are people out there that may think it's funny because they need a break from whatever is going on with them. But apparently, if you make a joke in another room that no one's listening to, but they find out about it, your ass is in trouble, Chad. It's true. Um, And I I know some people who have passed away from this coronavirus thing. Oh, Oh, yeah, I do. it. I know a couple of people. And and honestly, they needed to go. Um, (laughs) It was time. Everybody was kind of wishing them the way out. But, uh, you know, I was I was watching the news this morning. (laughs) See, that's the kind of joke. I know. I I was going to say, I was like, crap. uh, No matter what I just said, the emails are already writing themselves, man. (laughs) Look, here's the thing, man. I was watching the news this morning. Let me justify the joke. This is something I never do. Let me justify the joke. So what have we had? We've had, what, 70,000 deaths worldwide in the last couple of months over this thing. At least that's what's reported. Good God, China probably Uh, has had that many themselves. So it's an insult to the world to say only 3,800 people have died in China. But Anyway, you know, you look at that, and it's like, okay, so 70,000 people have died in the last couple of months. So we're talking about it's just been any other normal day. Uh, this is that hasn't changed anything that's out there, unless you are a person with a weird underlying condition or something that's going on sure. with your lungs or something like that. Then you really need to be careful. So the way we've reacted to this thing has been crazy. Now, my philosophy when it comes to jokes is I don't believe in apologizing. 
I hate it when a comedian gets on there and says, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry I said this 11 years ago about somebody that was gay. Yeah. I don't care if you're black, white, fat, skinny, male, female, gay, straight. I don't care what you are. I'm going to make fun of you. It's in the job description. Right. And I'm, I'm going to make fun of myself. I'm going to make fun of my kids. I'm going to make fun of my wife. I'm going to make fun of my dogs. I'm going to make fun of everybody. So my thing is I refuse to apologize. Absolutely refuse to apologize. And I think when you come at it from that angle, then people are like, well, you know, this guy's going to say what he wants to say. And there's so many comics in there who are really strongly, uh, I don't even like using the word offensive, but like they know how to push the on. Yeah, yeah, that's and their a goal. Lot of people, yeah. people don't even question them. They don't question the Daniel Toshes of the world. Sure, yeah. Because in my opinion, they got grandfathered in before everybody became sensitive. And they're like, oh, well, that's just Daniel Tosh. Um. But the folks coming along today, they're like, you have to play by these certain rules. And you're right. I think comedy can heal. Music can heal. But everybody's too busy playing by the rules. And those political correctness rules are, are killing, killing comedy. And I don't believe in it. I just absolutely don't believe in it. So I'm the guy who doesn't want to go around the wall or over the wall to chip away at the wall. I want to push the wall down yeah. and say, look, humor is subjective. It's not for everybody. My brand of humor may not be for you. If it's not, scroll on, move on. Don't buy a ticket to the show. Don't come out. Don't listen. Uh, but these days, people, they love their offendedness, and that's what we're dealing with today. So I, I just choose to just go push right on through it. I heard uh, I heard Bill Maher talk about this one day. He said that um, he, he knows all these people that just wake up and they're offended. And it seems yeah. like with over the past few years, the social media has has – become what it is we, we see more and more of that do do you think with a guy that's been so in touch with with people from all around all different walks of life uh having such a, a large social media presence that you have um do you think that that maybe social media has caused people to be like that more and more or is it just giving a microphone to people that have been there forever like that uh yeah i it has in a big way it's exacerbated Social media has been a great thing, but it's also screwed a lot of things up. Like, for instance, it's impossible for a guy to go to a bar and pick up a chick anymore because that chick has already planned out her whole evening with her social media friends. And so she comes in there like a pack of wolves in her little circle of friends, and you can't get past the guard dog named Becky to try to, to, try to talk to her. Uh, and she planned all that out on social media. And if you're not part of the group, then, you know, hey, I don't know you. We're not friends on Facebook. Or whatever. Uh, it, <laughs> right. It's impossible for a dude to pick up a chick anymore. Uh, but there's things like that, and there's also it's given a voice to everybody. Uh, and what I mean by that is we used to – look, for, for, for the history of mankind, we've written our stories on a wall, whether it was a cave drawing or an Egyptian hieroglyphic or something like that. Uh, and these days we're putting our story on a digital wall, and it's going to be kept forever because the internet's forever. So we're putting all this stuff out there. But people are irresponsible with it, and what I mean by that is historically speaking, we always held on to the words of the philosophers and the poets and the kings and the prophets, so to speak, uh, and everybody wasn't those people. But we still remember what Socrates said. We still remember what uh, you know the, the, the great philosophers of, of history said. We remember those things. These days everybody has a voice, but they're not responsible enough with that voice. So they're just putting any random thing out there. And, and thinking that it's smart. Now, I was in Washington, D.C. back in January – no, February, and I saw – walked into a bar outside of Trump International Hotel. I walked into a bar named Harry's. Everybody goes there. Uh, if We were in town for a political action event, and so 
I saw these guys start talking to each other, and it's like they were talking as though they were still on Twitter. Okay. Really? You say anything on Twitter and get away with it. But these right. guys were insulting each other until finally the dude got his ass kicked. I mean, he just got punched in the mouth and got his ass kicked because Twitter ain't real life. When you say those things things to a real person, you're going to get your ass kicked. And he found out the hard way that it ain't real life. So I think that people need to be more responsible with what they say because these keyboard warriors, as we call them, they think they can get away with anything. And, and, And I'm sorry when you translate that into real life. Yeah, there's going to be some consequences to it. I, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I had to debate uh, Justin Robert Young, guy does uh, politics, politics, politics podcast. It's a great show. Also does Night Attack and stuff like that. He mm-hmm. came through town for the uh, the 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 Democrat not debate, but when they they had the caucus here and yeah. um, the primary. Not we don't have caucus here, but the primary. And um, he um, we were sitting around talking, and I told him, you know, like you know. He was talking about how Twitter is real life. I was like, "What? Well, Twitter's more like the bathroom stall." And he's like, "No, it's it's real life." And I was like, "Yeah, it's same same thing." I'm like, "You can you can say it on the bathroom stall." And the difference between yeah. the bathroom stall of yesterday and the bathroom stall of today that is Twitter is you're just signing your name underneath it, but still, it's right. anonymous to most of the people out there because they don't know who you are. Yeah. Now, I, I want to get your opinion on this because I, I love I love your stance here, but as a as a as a total proponent of free speech here. I don't want to tell those people they don't have free speech. They, they, they should have just as much of a mouthpiece as anybody else could have. But you mentioned the responsibility thing. Yeah. Where, where does that fall? Because, you know, there were always those people. They were probably writing books. They were probably writing news articles. I mean, they, they were. I'm sure the editor was cutting them out in some places. But, but, but where is that responsibility? Like, how do we, how do we as a society give that responsibility – any kind of credence and how do we how do we kind of I don't want to say police that as if the government's supposed to do it because that's absolutely what I don't think should happen. That that would go against that amendment. Yeah. But what where do we do that? How do we balance that out as a there's got to be a pushback against it? Yeah, there's a couple of examples that come to mind, and I'll use a, a rather benign one as an example. One is, you know, Kevin Hart makes a it makes a joke about his son playing with a dollhouse. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, my son's gonna come out gay well this was what seven years ago and then it's time for him to host the oscars and they said so he steps down from that there's all the blowback and of course he goes on his apology tour which i thought was a bad idea yeah me too i I wholeheartedly believe you yes i'm like kevin what are you doing man here he is on ellen you know apologizing and i'm like i don't know who made ellen the gay pope like she can absolve gay (laughs) sins or something like that but there he is doing those things right and i'm like this is a bad idea so it kind of backfired in that regard um So while you're free to say those things, there's going to be consequences when you say them. Uh, And I love your allusion to the bathroom wall because when you put it out there on social media, even if you delete it later on, you you cannot paint over this bathroom wall. It's out there forever. I always say that one of these days there's going to be – aliens that invade the planet and they're going to dig up our Twitter records and they're going to see where we elected Donald Trump and they're going to say, oh, look, they took a washed up game show host and made him their king. <laughs> and, and it's forever, dude. It'll be there forever. So I tell people, I say, you can say anything. Uh, you have the right technically to say anything, but everything you say isn't right. And you need to be careful with that because there are consequences. So I think that most people 
and there's some great social media outlets that are out there that are coming along, Parler, All Social, MeWe, those kind of deals where people have a free speech platform. But what they trust you to do is to have some common sense. So hate speech isn't tolerated. If I come out and I make a derogatory slur against a minority or a person's color or a person of a, a sexual orientation, I should be punished for that in the sense that that should be – and that's part of being held responsible. That is part of being held responsible. Um, again, now it's a fine line. Should I be able to make a joke that stereotypes minorities? Um, I say yes. I say yes because that goes back to that whole thing. I'm going to make fun of anybody. Uh, I should be able to do that because that is the world I grew up in. It's the culture I grew up in, and this idea that we're going to label people according to their – you know, and say, well, oh, you made a joke about black culture. Well, you must be a racist. Well, yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? I don't, I don't It's not racist to do that. You just wanted to create a label, and by creating a label, now you can categorize me. You can put me in a box. You can put that box on the shelf, and you don't have to deal with me because anytime something comes around about Chad Prather, you can say, oh, that's that racist guy. Right, yeah. Right. You know, And I don't have to deal with you. Well, that is a cop-out way to face culture and civilization. It is a cop-out way to deal with today and age. So, uh, you, people, But that's what we want to do. If we can label people, we don't have to deal with them. There yeah. are uncomfortable things about being a human. Very uncomfortable things. We're learning that right now in these days of, quote, quarantine and pandemic and all this stuff. Suddenly, people can't go to their graduation ceremonies. Uh, seniors in high school that are playing baseball, well, they don't get to play baseball. Maybe that screws up their scholarship. There are complications to being a human being. We have to face those things. And what we've tried to do is we've tried to make the world so vanilla. And people say I'm racist for even using the phrase vanilla. People, We've made the world so vanilla and flavorless that we can't enjoy each other's differences, our cultures, even our prejudices. Such a bad word, but we all prejudge. We all prejudge. Look, I, I grew up in the state of Georgia, man. I had to get away from the family business of meth. We, we, yeah. were, so, we were so redneck. I got a cousin that got arrested at a cockfight for for selling chicken salad sandwiches without a food permit. That's <laughs> redneck right there, bro. That is redneck. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to hang around with white trash. Right. You know, everybody looking at Joe Exotic. The reason we're looking at Joe Exotic and and Doc Antle and, and Carol Baskin, that bitch. The reason we're looking at these things on on the Tiger King docu series is because we look at these people and we're like, oh my god, look at. I mean, do people like this really exist? That's prejudice. Prejudice exists, and now we've made a huge thing. But it's okay to be prejudiced about them because, hey, they're white folks. Yeah, they're they're white trash. They're not my people, but and everybody's making fun of them. Yeah. So we've got to get past that. We got to get, and I don't know that we ever will. Quite honestly, I don't know that we ever will at this point in time. But I think that political correctness is such a disease that it has limited us in so many ways that people can't have free expression. Should we yell fire in a crowded theater? Of course not. There's consequences of that that are not good. And so what I say is the consequences to that type of speech are so great that we as a, as a society should come out and say, that's not what you should do. Can you do it? Yeah. Should you do it? No. Should you be punished when you do it? The consequences are going to punish you. Uh, but to the degree that we just say, well, I don't want to do this joke and I don't want to say this or I don't want to have this opinion. That's that's just absolutely ludicrous. You know, I, I just realized I'm, I messed up here greatly. I, I completely did this wrong. Hang, hang, hang on with me one second. We're going to completely yeah, start man. over. 
Uh, well, joining me this week is racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, Chad Prather. And, uh, <laughs> white Christian heterosexual male, that's right. bigot, narrow minded, white and black. That, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's, it is funny. I was, uh, years ago, I was talking with this guy. I, I was in, you know, I've been, I've been in sales for a long time and we were at a bar doing the, uh, doing the debate thing that you always do when you're on sales trips. And he's from New Hampshire. And he was telling me, like, you know, just all of a sudden, because I'm a white guy from South Carolina, he immediately thought that I was a racist, made a couple of comments mm. about it. I'm just joking along. You know, it's, it's a stereotypical South Carolina, whatever, and just kind of laughing along with it for half the night until I realized the guy was being serious. And I, yeah. I got to put up the timeout sign. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. So for me to have to prove to you that I'm not racist. That that is at least prejudiced. Yeah, you, you get on the and yeah. then he made this comment about like, well, all y'all down there need to learn how to work together. I'm like, you have like one percent of your population in New Hampshire is not white. Like, just because you know right. the one dude that's from a minority in your state doesn't mean you you know how to work together. And, and yeah. but but I agree with you. I mean, listen, I, I grew up in South Carolina too. I, I love this state, but I, I'm not. I'm not benign to, to what, what what goes on here. I mean, the the Confederate flag was just taken down from the state house. I just mean, come, taken down. I mean, come like, on, just taken down. Yeah, like I mean, and, and I love it when people from Vermont try to tell me how to get along with the folks in the east boundary of Augusta, Georgia, Richmond County. I, you know, I, it's like okay, uh, y'all, 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 y'all know black people in theory. Um, and, and look, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And here's there's a difference in culture. And let me tell you something: the black people in that culture, they're not offended by that. They know exactly who they are. There's pride in that. Yeah. There's pride in that culture. We're not making fun of it while we're making fun. Like they make fun of us. We make it's like we get along with each other. I grew up playing baseball. Played baseball throughout my life, my young adult life. We traveled on buses. We slept in the same beds together. Racism. The idea of racism was so far beyond. Were we culturally different? Yeah, we knew that though, but we didn't think about it. Uh, that's growing up in the South. Yeah, were there were there inequalities? Sure. I mean, of course there are. Uh, there are to this day in some respects, but that's no that you know that's not created by skin color per se. Um, but it's so funny because I look at all of these folks across the board. They need an excuse. They need an excuse to do this thing. And I, and I have found people, the people who are the most vocal about it tend to be the most, quote, racist about it. Go hmm. out and find one of these outspoken black conservatives that are out there. I don't care if it's Terrence Williams, uh, Brandon Tatum, David Harris Jr., the Hodge twins, Keith and Kevin. You go out there and find these guys, Candace Owens, various ones. And let me tell you, you get in their inbox. Oh yeah, I can only imagine what people are sending them. It is the most racist, hate-filled stuff. Threats, death threats, uh, all these things, these judgments that are on there. And these are my close personal friends. And I'm like, the problem. The problem, you know, I wear a cowboy hat for a reason. One, that's the world I grew up in. That's the culture I came from. Uh, I like them, and I, you know, I that's just the world I was in. But I still wear that hat a lot of times when I do these videos. Well, all the time, basically, because I love the, the prejudgment that comes. Well, what does this hillbilly redneck white guy know about anything when it comes cultural? You know, I have two bachelor's degrees, a master's degree and a doctorate, but I don't put that stuff out there because I don't I don't need to come to you as an intellectual. I want to come to you with common sense and wrap that in humor and make it an easier pill to swallow. But for me personally, I have a Jewish manager in L.A. I've got a gay Cubano agent in L.A. I have two co-producers. One is Hispanic and the other is black. I have an editorial producer who is Hispanic. 
And, you know, I can go down the list of all these things. And of course I got party foul Steve that goes everywhere with me. And he's just a hippie. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got them all, you know, my mother-in-law, she hates Donald Trump. She's a 100% uh, lefty that, you know, believes. So I look at all these things and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm the most diverse redneck you've ever met. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it is funny that I think people all the time they do they they start their prejudices and and I agree with you. I, I for clarification, I don't want to well, I don't want to clarify your words, but for my take on what you said, I completely agree with you. The people that I see are the loudest are the ones that surround themselves with the same type of people that they are. Like I yeah. I can look around and I mean. Most of my friends, I, I, my wife and I were talking about where we live, and we we have a very diverse group of friends, and, we, and we're happy about that. And yeah. it's it's not something we think about or brag about until someone asks us about it, and it's like, no, I, I, I don't even think about that, and that's that, that's where we are. I want to I want to go back before we move on to something real quick. You know, I want to talk about your your history and where you came from, but I'm curious about something. You know, uh, Dave Chappelle, when you watch the the Mark Twain uh, award ceremony, I think it's out on Netflix now. I saw it on PBS. Um, But the only thing I've watched on PBS the past 25 years besides Sesame Street. Um, (laughs) You got me beat, buddy. (laughs) um, Although the country music uh, documentary is pretty, the Ken Burns thing was pretty damn good. That was was pretty neat if you've seen that. Um, And then, of course, his his, uh, Sticks and Stones uh, that was uh, absolutely brilliant stand-up comedy routine. There was a lot of people that when that came out um, that really hated that he did it. I mean, if you if you haven't yeah. seen it, it's not only hilarious but brilliantly written. And 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 it, and it's 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 what I still think his 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 I don't think he's done by any means, but his masterpiece as far as stand-up comedy goes. But a lot of people immediately the next day, the the talk track I heard from not only critics but even folks that I just know on Twitter. They they all said the same thing. I don't know who passed out the memo, but it said I like it when my comics punch up instead of punching down. And I, and I thought to myself, Chappelle's just punched at the same place all the time. That, that's just, right. he's never changed. But, right. but now that he's successful, you think his mentality is supposed to change. And I, and I think to myself, isn't that the antithesis of what we want our quote unquote real celebrities to be? So, so to ask you, Chad, as a guy who has come from Disgusta and worked his way up <laughs> all the way you to ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> all the way to where he is today. Um, as you have, uh, as you've developed in your comedy, you may be different because of what we talked about before being a, a straight white guy from the South, but have you seen fans of yours kind of turn or, or has, has that talk changed as you've become more successful? Is there, is there something there that you've noticed and and if so, why do you think that is? Well, you, you reference something that is kind of I, I, sticks with me, and I, and I hear this a lot, and I've had a lot of interviews about this idea of punching up and punching down. And for anybody that doesn't understand comedy, you know, punching up, you go after the powers that be, the people that are over you. You know, let's let's go after our dictators and our tyrants, so to speak. And punching down are the people who. You know, it's that idea that Donald Trump is making fun of somebody in a wheelchair. Um, you know, you're punching down somebody who can't fight back. And and I had a guy who's a, a well-known, uh, very far left uh, journalist and as well as a, an author. I consider him a friend. He's crazy, but he's a friend. Uh, and he, he did an interview with me for, I don't know, like Vanity, Vanity Fair magazine or something. And he was asking about that. He said, why is it that conservatives always punch down? 
whereas liberal comets punch up. And I said, that is some bullshit assessment right there. And so I started pointing out different comics and examples of when they punched down and how they consistently did it. And I said, just punch. I don't care if you punch up, punch down. If it's funny, just punch. It doesn't – not everybody is Lenny Bruce. Not everybody is George Carlin. We're not all making some big political philosophical statement. Sometimes we just want to freaking be funny, and I'm for that. I'm 100 percent for that, but to the degree that people have changed – I think that people feel obligated to be more uh, sensitive to things, which I think is total BS. I, I, I'm, you know, my thought there is: look, you be you. Uh, I still laugh at the Darwin Awards. I can put on ridiculousness <laughs> on MTV, yeah. and I can watch these people rack themselves, and I'm laughing. Uh, in fact, this, I think that may be the only show we watch on. I, I don't know why we have satellite television, except where we watch ridiculousness, <laughs> and. I watch people do that, and it's like you laugh at people's misfortune, but these days you go online, and you you. I posted a video last night. This is how timely this is. I posted a video of this guy who was naked in the street, obviously some city. could have been you know New York somewhere. Nobody else on the streets because everybody's quarantined. He's naked, and he's running along, and he just would dive headfirst and headbutt parked automobiles he'd get up and go and do it again are you see i haven't checked this out i gotta check this out you gotta go to my personal page and see it i shared it because i wanted because for me social media is one big sociological experiment i love seeing how people react to things and i just posted it and i said you know this guy really went to the school of hard knocks (laughs) he was knocking his brains out dude you gotta go see this video well obviously he was all hopped up on the drug flacco which is like bath salts it makes you pull your clothes off and go nuts and sometimes the high from it lasts like two weeks if you don't kill yourself and people are like this poor man obviously has a mental disorder and he needs to be helped and i'm like no he bought drugs he bought drugs you <laughs> right, know? And they're like yeah. this you know this is beneath you chad how dare you share it and i said i didn't say it was funny or anything else but damn i mean this guy's <laughs> trying to kill himself right here by headbutting automobiles and I mean, he'd dive into it like a like a linebacker. So you see that, and I'm like, we've gotten taught that you're supposed to be hypersensitive. But let me just say this, and this is this is kind of a cornerstone for me. Your offendedness is not currency. You can't spend it anywhere. You can't wake up today and say, you know what, that pisses me off. I'm offended. Okay, so what are you gonna do with that? I mean, where, where are you going to put it? Where are you going to take it? Are you going to go out there and tell the whole world you're offended? Because honestly, nobody cares. They're too busy thinking about their own offendedness today. So what are you going to do with that? The better thing to do is just think, you know, people are people. People are going to think certain things are funny. Certain things are sad. Some people are going to laugh at the funeral. And so you just have to chalk it up to the beauty of the fact that this painting has different colors on it. And it's got different perspectives and different depths, and some of them deep, some of them shallow, some of them all these different phases of color in between. And when you do that, life is a lot more enjoyable, and folks have gotten way past that. So wait a minute. So what am I supposed to do with all these woke points that I've earned? Is it not like Bitcoin? I mean, what in the hell, man? Jesus. Go back to sleep. Just go back to sleep. Don't be woke. Don't so, be woke. so you started you you started your career. Well, here's what I know. I know that a long time ago you started the It's My Backyard, the the race TV uh, thing. Yep. Do, do, where, where where did you really start though? Where did they get you from? 
for that. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, sure I know they weren't like doing the best. They weren't like Netflix today, but they weren't walking around the street like, hey, grab that guy. He's he's tall yeah, drinking water. We'll, we'll put him. We'll put him on the show. How, how did yeah. you get started? Back around 2017. I, uh, I'm sorry, 2007. 13 years ago, 2007, I was at a real low point in life and I had gone through a divorce and I found this thing called Facebook and I got on there and I thought, hmm, this is an interesting place for the captive audience. I can tell jokes. And so I would start writing different things and I would put funny one-liners on there. You know, seven, eight people from high school might like it. And the years went past and I thought there's a way to make a living with this tool with this platform i don't know what it is but you know it's just it's there and then the advent of things such as viral videos came along and we knew that they existed out there and i called my wife one day i was at the gym i was not in the gym i was at the gym it'd be huge difference and i was sitting (laughs) in the parking lot and i called my wife on the phone and i said i'm gonna i'm quitting my job i'm gonna go make a living just being myself and it was a good job. It was a well-paying job, great benefits. And she said, well, what's the street value on your personality? <laughs> and I've told that story a million times because I said, you know, we're going to go find out. I said, but I think there's a way to take social media and use it. And right on the heels of that, the uh, executives at that TV network, they reached out to me through Facebook and said, we see the stuff you're posting. It's funny. Have you ever done television? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I've done television and radio over the years. And they said, well, come in and do a screen test, and let's let's see how it goes. So I came in and did it. They said, yeah, we want to do this show with you. We want, we want you to host this show. And so in the first season of doing that travel show, It's My Backyard, uh, I was sitting in the truck one day because it, I would do that. It was kind of my therapy. I'd be driving down the street, and I'd just pop my camera phone up on the dashboard and start giving my thoughts of the day. And it might be you know, 15 seconds long. It might be two minutes long, and I would do it. And, I'd come out of a uh, Walmart one day as a shopping experience that was from hell, and I popped it up there, and the next thing I know, a million people had watched this video in a day, and I thought, well, I guess that's viral. So the next day, I did it again, or the next week, I should say, I did it again, and it just kept happening. It kept growing, and and so I was smart enough without even knowing what I was doing. I guess I should say intuitive enough that I was able to create a brand out of it, and uh I just had the foresight to, to be able to build out of that, and one thing led to another. I always swore I was never going to get into politics. I wasn't going to get into current events. I was going to keep it observational, uh, but of course that changed. I, I just couldn't see um, Hillary Clinton becoming the president of the United States, and I said, well, I got this platform. I need to – and plus it was just so much fun. You know, I mean, I mean, at what point in time in history did we have Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, two major cartoons in real flesh? You know, running against each other and these caricatures of humans. And I was like, oh my God, it's like they were just writing the jokes for us. So I kind of made the, the jump over into uh, politics and started doing humor from that perspective. And uh, one thing led to another. And finally, uh, Blaze TV reached out to me after doing numerous appearances on CNN and Fox and different places. Blaze, you know, I kind of found a home there doing. I took my existing podcast over there, and now it's a it's a daily talk show every you know every evening. So, been a fun journey, very random and wild, but it, it's been a blessing all the way. So you get you get to work with some really interesting people, and I and I'm curious about them, and I and I'm you know 
I got to take your word for it because it's not like you, know, you and I share a name. That's the only thing we knew of each other before we started this <laughs> podcast today. So I'm, I'm curious. I've got, I've got to take your word for it. But I, I'm, I'm curious about as a guy that's come up that way. I mean, that's, that's a pretty rapid climb in, in finding yeah. yourself in, in, in where you are. So like, all right, so for instance, on, on your show and in a lot of other places, you work quite a bit with Sarah Gonzalez, who is mm-hmm. widely known for being hideously unattractive. I hate and, that bitch. And I'm telling you, man, she's as bad as Carol Baskin. <laughs> so um, <laughs> now how did you two pair together? Because it seems like the chemistry between the two of y'all uh, is very good. You're, you really seem yeah. like you're on about the same page with things yeah. and it's always kind of neat like we may have friends but in a work environment especially the entertainment industry to have somebody that is so on point with you how were the two of y'all paired did you did y'all know each other from before how, how did that work no. out i knew who sarah was and she knew who i was and then when i came along we hit it off instantly it was just one of those things that it, it just made sense sarah's a great human being she's a great personality she's obviously very outspoken uh but she's a lot of fun and, you know, her husband is a director with the Blaze, and so he's there on site all the time. But oh, she always I didn't tells know that. People, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's Glenn Beck's director. And and uh, so, you know, she always says that I'm her work husband. And, of course, people say, well, doesn't your husband work for the Blaze? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, but he's my actual husband. <laughs> so so we joke about that. Sarah and, and Steve and her husband have both just become absolute best friends to us. And uh in 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 a relatively short time you know just in a year and a half of really knowing each other personally and she's she's just one of my favorite people but yeah we've got you know there's so many folks because when i came on to that deal i came on it was crtv which was formerly levin tv yeah came on to that deal and then like within two days of finally deciding to pull the trigger and go on with them uh they bought out the blaze and so it became blaze tv Right. And of course, everybody immediately thought Glenn Beck was my boss and all of this. And so we kind of got thrust into a situation. But I'll tell you, man, it's been a great home. Uh, you know, guys like Glenn Beck who don't live on the same planet we do. Yeah. Uh, they, they just I don't I'm not even sure, you know, whatever drugs he's taken, I, I'd <laughs> gladly tackle a car for. Uh, of course, I say that Glenn's been Glenn's been sober for. 20 I was gonna years. say, it's like, yeah, that's gonna go over well with the boss. Yeah, <laughs> he's a pretty strict. I love giving Glenn a hard time, man. Uh, it, 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 he's just such a he's such an odd duck, but God, I learned so much from him. But everybody that's there is just such just genuine people. They are what they are, and that's the beauty of that culture is they give you the the, the you know the permission to be who you are. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't go over very well there, but. Sarah's been great and you know we kind of came in and built our own cast of characters with my show with Party Foul Steve and Hot News Natalie and you know Candace what color Candice the queen of the Ethiopians yeah and Puppet Master Mark and you know our characters that come across on the Chad Prather show we have a lot of fun with everybody uh but they it's just it's it's one big party, man. I mean, that's and that's the way I wanted it. I wanted people to be able to come on our show or watch our show and feel like they were sitting in the living room with us, yeah. While we just kind of shot the breeze, and you know, maybe maybe had a drink or something like that, and, and talked about whatever came to mind. And folks, folks that get it get it, and folks that don't don't, and that's okay. You you mentioned Glenn Beck, and for for folks that aren't familiar with him, he's the guy who is most known for having the show on CNN Headline News where he yelled at the Fonz that one night. Um, <laughs> wor- working with those guys, uh, what is that? What has that been like? You said you know I know you've learned a lot from Glenn. How about how about let's let's push Glenn to the side for a second. Yeah. 
you know, Stu has been there for so long, and Stu oh, adds no. so much to that show. What's yeah. what's it been like getting to know him, working with him? I mean, there's got to be um, there's got to be something that you've taken from from that relationship with him too. It see, it seems like the two of y'all would have a a lot in common. We do, uh, Stu. You know, Stu knows how to turn it on and off. You're you're right because he's he's done it for so long. He knows how to turn it on and off. He knows when to be on and when to just chill. And he's a very um, he's a serious guy until he doesn't have to be a serious guy. But Stu's one of the smartest people on the planet. I mean, he's so he's so insightful on the things. And and so I, I love people like that who you listen to him and you're like, well, that's a fun angle. I, I I wouldn't have thought about it that way. And I always say, you know, well, he's probably shell shocked after dealing with Glenn for 25 years <laughs> yeah. and and dealing with that. So, but you know, Stu is funny. He's creative. Um, and we were just we were in D.C. You know, and I told you the guy got his mouth knocked in. For, yeah. You know, pretending Twitter, Stu and I were together. Oh, that was I thought that was I thought you were telling a joke. That was real. No, that's true. Oh, that really okay, damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we we were together. Stu and I were there, and uh, uh, it, it, you know, you, you get Stu's funny. Stu in the studio is one guy. Stu out on the road is another guy. He's he's fun in both places, but it's a different kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. But now we. We have a lot of fun together, but I love Stu. I love Stu. I mean, if I had to get quarantined with anybody, it'd be <laughs> Stu. Um, you know, I think if you had to pick any Blaze personality of the South there, I think it would probably wind up being Stu. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I I could I could see that. Um, going from the person we would probably all pick to be uh, the person we would want to be quarantined with to the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. Um, you have learned a lot from Glenn then, right? So you, you, you really have appreciated that relationship. What, what, how did you and Glenn get connected? Was it just through the well, blaze or, or it was or, or, through the blaze. Okay. It was through the blaze. You know, every now and then I would, uh, you know, different shows years ago before I had any affiliation with them, they would bring me over and, uh, you know, Tommy Laren was a friend is a friend. I shouldn't say was, but she is a friend. Uh, when she was with the blaze, she would have me on her show from time to time and, various uh projects that we would do things with the late doc thompson he was on there of course and uh you know we, we so i kind of built a relationship there and had zero idea or inclination that i would ever be a part of it so when it came along I, you know every now and then I'll, I'll get out of my truck there at the studio in the parking lot and i'll think man i can remember coming over here you know three four years ago and it, it would have never crossed my mind that this would be a place where i would you know, be laying my head, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But it's fun. They give me carte blanche personality to, uh, or uh, freedom to be, you know, my personality. And uh, which, thank God they do. They might not renew the contract, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to we'll uh, get you out of here on, on, a, on the last couple of things because, you know, listening to a comedian talk about serious stuff is just boring as hell for everybody. Uh, so we don't want to keep doing this. It's horrible. Um, you see, there's that whole thing about making fun of people. I'm just punching down on you now. Or uh, I'm not, yeah. I guess it's, uh, I'm still punching up. You make more money than I do. So I can, you have more fans, <laughs> more followers on Twitter. So it's still punching up for me. Um, speaking of Glenn, there's something that I don't know if he really talks about anymore, but he, he used to on his show a long time ago, he would very frequently talk about the pivot points in your life. And, and his was, uh, when he was getting sober, when he was going through different things, it wasn't just that, but there's a, a point where his life turned. And it, it doesn't have to be just one grandiose thing. It could, it could be different, different points. Um, yeah. As a guy that's been around 
that that has the life that you you have. You you're you're right. You don't we we live on a different planet than Glenn does. But you, you're you're right. around and you deal a lot more with the working man. I mean, with I mean from the days that you started with Cowboy Bill Martin. I mean, when, when you're yeah. telling jokes in Fort Worth, Texas, it's not the same as you know the laughing or or over you know in L.A. You you're you're dealing with a lot more uh, the working class grounded people. And as you tour around, right. Uh, you, you're obviously around a lot of that. Your social media connects you and has connected you to people in a very personal way, and you've been very open with that. I mean, hell, you just sent me your phone number today. I mean, like you, you have no problem just, no. just, just like no. getting to know people and, and talk with them. So when we talk about all the stuff we were talking about before, and and you did mention that music can heal and comedy can heal, but but as you know, as communication goes, th- there has to be a receptive audience on the side. So, Chad, do you do you think there is a pivot point that's happened or one that is coming that can that can kind of take us from what we've been dealing with and and calm it down? I mean, are are we possibly in the middle of that with everything that everybody's been going through? I mean, are, do you believe that perspectives are shifting to where we can all laugh a little bit more and try to come together instead of being so divisive? Yeah, as long as social media reigns supreme in the way that it does, I'm not sure that that we can because in so many ways along – and I said this 25, 30 years ago. I said there's no way that the mainstream media continue to broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week without eventually they're going to run out of stories and they're going to have to sensationalize a lot of things, and that's exactly what they did. And now we get our news from that, and we're not hearing news anymore. We're hearing uh, very subjective opinions from people. It's basically our news is op-ed pieces. So to that degree, as long as we've got those voices transmitting into our brains from mainstream to social media, I don't know that we can. You know, I've said over and over again, I don't know if anything's going to bring us back together. But then all of a sudden a pandemic hit, and this has been an interesting sociological dynamic to watch. Suddenly there's two genders again. Uh, suddenly nobody cares if you're gay or not. Uh, so <laughs> nobody cares if you're transgender. Right. Uh, we don't, we could be bombing terrorists right now. We have no idea because the mainstream media, they're not talking about that. I mean, I saw a deal yesterday where another, you know, ISIS leader was captured, uh, by, by, um, uh, by American forces. And I'm like, well, that's not being reported. So who knows what's going on? This thing has basically humanized all of us again to realize that a virus doesn't have a political party or a political leaning. It just is, and it is no respecter of persons. And unfortunately, we have so gotten to the point where we respect not only persons but opinions, whether it's Hollywood or online personalities slash influencers. we got to get away from that. And yeah. just be critical thinkers and be able to say, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm an American, you're an American. I'll cut you. You're going to bleed your version of red, white, and blue. I'm going to bleed my version of red, white, and blue. We both consider ourselves patriots. You're probably wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to live with that, right? Because I like you as a person and get away from those labels, as I talked about earlier, and let everybody come out of their box and be who they are. And let's just enjoy the beauty of that panoramic. You, um, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. It's funny when you're talking about we could be bombing terrorists. I don't know if you heard earlier in the interview, but um, the, the studio here kind of sh- shook because if you'll remember, 
uh, Shaw Air Force Base is not far from here, and right. they've been running drills every day for three weeks. And I'm like, oh, wow. you know, I'm wondering if that's a side of something. But you know, <laughs> I, I I I agree with you. I love I love hearing your pragmatism. You know, and 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 it's always funny to say this with a comedian on the line. All, all kidding aside, I I do think you're right. I mean, I I think one of the things we've learned from this pandemic, number one, I mean, I, as a critical thinker, we're not prepared for a real. This has not been a real pandemic. Yep. We're not no. prepared for one. So what we've all learned in this drill is ah, we, we've got some things we need to, to fix up. Number two, every dude finally learned how to wash his hands. So hopefully flu season <laughs> won't be so bad. I swear to God, the soap dispenser and the office building I work in has never been refilled. It's refilled every uh, day now. I'm, I'm just glad dudes yeah. know to wash their hands. But I, I do it's think crazy. I do think you're right. I, I do worry about the sensationalism. I do worry about um, the 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 hero worship we we put in the wrong place. I mean, even with our government, it's not a it's not a it's not a group of experts. It's just a group of representatives. But we look at it the wrong way. I hope right. we've started looking at each other. I, I saw somebody. I don't think it was you. It may have been Sarah. But somebody put up on Twitter the other day, I hope what everyone's learned in this is that who their governor is is more important than who their president is. Yeah, and and there's there's something to that that I was like, yeah, we, we should we should worry more about what's within our reach. And I, I think it's really cool to be able to talk with somebody like you who, who, who does go around a good bit, who looks at things in a very positive way. Um and and has that kind of that kind of outlook. In, in other words, Chad, I'm glad you're making me sound right for all the crap I've been talking for five years on this podcast. I can say some dude in a cowboy hat said I was right, so that that gives me all the credit in the world. Right? Yeah, that's fun, dude. And let, let me tell you something. If that doesn't wake people up, let me tell you what should wake them up. China, let's use because they're relevant right now. China is a geopolitical foe. They're not our friends. And I'm not talking about the Chinese people. I've been to China. I've smuggled Bibles into China. I've done all this stuff. I've worked with the underground church in China. Beautiful people. I sound like Donald Trump. They're fantastic <laughs> people. They're beautiful people. They're, yes, they got a virus. they got a virus. But it's China. It's China. And so, you know, but the government of China, geopolitical foes. Uh, and if you don't think, they know how to play, they know how to play the long game. They're taking notes of how we respond in this situation. And hmm. they're paying attention to what our weaknesses are and how quickly they can create division through something like what's going on. Because you're right, this is not a true pandemic. You know, people aren't bleeding out from the inside. As Party Foul Steve, my sidekick, says, you know, they're not burning bodies in the street. Yes, they are doing mass temporary graves in New York parks, but that's one thing. They're not they're not taking people out and piling them up, you know, a whole Monty Python, bring out your dead. Right. We're not doing that at this point. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, is this serious? Yeah, but is it pandemic? No, it's not. Right. Um, still more people dying from the flu. Uh, so, so there it is. You know, we need to be aware that if we don't stick together, you know, uh, de Tocqueville said we're going to destroy ourselves. And Abraham Lincoln said the same sentiment. He said we're going to destroy ourselves from the inside. De Tocqueville said when we cease to be good is when we're going to have a problem. And Abraham Lincoln said, it's not going to be an enemy from without. It's going to be an enemy from within that's going to destroy this country. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. So we've got to get together on this thing. And I give everybody that's listening to this thing full permission to disagree and still get along. That's gotcha. all you need to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, listen, it's been it's been great having you on. I appreciate all the time. Oh, wait, I didn't even ask the most important question. Boy from Augusta, who now lives out in Texas... Does that mean you're a Falcons fan or, or a Cowboys fan? I'm a Cowboys fan. I've always been a Cowboys fan. All right, good. Because I, I mean, from from birth, yeah. I, I'm sitting here wearing a Cowboys jersey. I'm like, I'm erasing this whole damn interview. It means nothing to me. 
You can talk about people getting along, but if you were going to like pull out, no, I'm an Eagles fan. I was like, forget this whole episode, man. Yeah, no, I'll just start over. Some bolts here. Yeah, that's right. Let's all get right down all the it. important stuff, you know, the stuff that we hope happens this year. <laughs> Listen, Chad, it has been an absolute joy to have you on. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate it, and look forward to the next thing you have coming out, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. Oh, and tell people go to watchchad.com. Oh, yeah. Gee, oh, Chad. Yeah, this yeah. Is, I'm a professional podcaster here. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. So, Chad, if people want to find you, <laughs> and for some reason, That's Glenn Beck, deal. and for some reason, your boss, Glenn Beck, hasn't done his job and told them where to go, where, right. where can people go to find you, your content, and all the other great stuff that you do? That's the deal. Your one-stop shop is watchchad.com. Uh, go find it. If everything is there, subscribe to the Chad Prather Show. You'll enjoy it. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. There's a girl in Texas waiting for me. Her eyes are blue as the salt and sea. And I saw her once on my TV. And I know this sounds crazy, but I believe in destiny. There's something about a girl in tight, dirty jeans. A cowboy hat and a tattoo of James Dean. She's such a rebel when she dances. She's like a sex machine and she drives all the boys crazy. Yeah, she drives all the boys crazy There's a girl in Texas waiting for me Her eyes are blue as the salt sea And I, I saw her once on my TV And I knew this sounds crazy But I believe in destiny I want to say a real big thank you again to Chad Prather for coming on the show um, oh, by the way, the music here, uh, the, the music and everything that she, all the music that's shared that we use on the show is Don Markle, singer songwriter. That last song, though, Girl in Texas, that's from your favorite band, uh, Don Markle and the Blacksmiths. Yeah, you know the band that had your favorite keyboard player in it sitting here talking to you right now before Don just kicked us all out of the band, decided to do his own thing. Uh, Don is uh, still writing, creating new music. As a matter of fact, send me something new tonight that he is working on. And uh, some of it is just great. Uh, so go check them out. Don Markle, um, great music, great stuff. Maybe one day, maybe one day, Blacksmith's reunion. You never know. Might might even do it out in Texas. You never know. Maybe we'll do something sometime. Um, so I, I love that interview. I love, I love talking to comedians. We've had quite a few on the show before in the past. Um, and I, I, I actually do love that the perspective that, that they can have. And I mean it. I, I do believe that comedy can save us right now because I think comedy is a thing that um, is a great equalizer in a lot of places. You know, I, I knew it was going to be tough once people that were very far left were, were upset at South Park. You know, when South Park came out back in the 1990s, it was mostly conservative right wing folks that had a problem with it. It was very irreverent and all, all the all the things that stereotypical about the the right at that time. Um, but it was about hey, we make fun of everybody equally, 
And there was something about it that if you watched South Park for about 10 shows and you weren't made fun of at some point, it was surprising. Somewhere you were tied in with some group. The thing about South Park that I've always loved is as a as a comic relief show, as absurd as it can be, same thing with The Simpsons, as absurd as it can be, uh, a lot of times there was social commentary in it that we needed to pay attention to. Some of it is, is very poignant and, 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 and easy to spot. Sometimes it is even for them, um, it, is, it, it, it hints at very, um, very, very tough to find, and you have to kind of process it. I think the best comedians in the world are the ones that can kind of do that. I don't, I don't, you know, whether they're in your face or they make you kind of think even after you leave the, the auditorium, but the best or really, yeah, the best, yeah, I'm going to say the best comedians are ones that understand their place in social commentary. Now it is also entertainment and it's fun. And if you don't like it and you find yourself offended, I can get it. I, I, I have had comedians sometimes that I think, all right, that's even just too over the top for me. I see them on like, yeah, they're funny people. Yeah, did you catch the new special? No, I didn't because I don't really care for them. But that, I'm sure they're great. Um, I do think there's something wonderful. We, we can look at people that have been comedians and we may agree or disagree with them. But Patton Oswalt is, is ex- incredibly incredibly brilliant and observant and man i disagree with him on a lot of stuff but i i won't i do like to see his thought process on some things because sometimes i might start looking at something in a different way because someone's introduced it to me in a softer manner comedy seems to do that comedy also sits us down and makes us realize sometimes that you know the stuff we laugh at the most is stuff that's probably about us i mean it really is I, the stuff my wife thinks is funny is stuff that she has to sit there and say, oh, my God, that's me. Yeah, and, and, and it's great that we can do that with comedy. I do think it can heal. I think Chad brought up a brilliant point that this whole thing, this whole thing we're doing, this world we're in, it is a painting with a lot of different colors. And I'll even add to that, different textures. The the depth is sometimes not just in the color that's there, but the actual texture and, and the way this masterpiece is put together. And we, we have a hard time with that. We have a hard time digesting that. We have a hard time when it is different from us. And I meant that when I said that earlier in the interview. And, and I'll say it to anyone who wants to challenge me on it. The people that I find the, the, that are the, 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 the worst at, at segregating people are, are usually the folks that when I look at them, all they've done is surround themselves there with people that are just like them. They are afraid. And if they find out that you are different than them or have a belief system that is different from them, they will absolutely either try to demand that you change or admit you're different. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've been at the Cock and Bowl with people that I've known for decades. And I say something about being the faith-based person I am, and they suddenly like, oh, no, you're not. Oh, come on, you, you, you know you're not this. I, I've had people... Because of uh, the way that I look at the government, believing in things like the limited government, the fact that the government's telling us to do anything right now, it's driving me insane. I'm, so someone asked me what my prediction is going to be on this. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't pull for lawyers. This whole thing with people getting tickets and people not being able to go certain places, 
the lawyers are going to have a field day with this when it comes to civil liberties when we're done with this. It's 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 going it, it's coming. I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am cuz I think I've already heard the ones that are gearing up for lawsuits. Um I I think there's I, I think there are people that, that are they're shot. Chad, you play in rock and roll bands. You know, how how could you be anything that, that, that looks like you you care about the the capitalist society? Well, I don't know about you, but the big time rock and roll bands that you know love capitalism because that's why they're millionaires today. Um, but there's you know there's nothing that says we 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 preach all the time. Everybody's welcome, and then when someone's different from what we believe, we chastise them. There are many colors, there are many depth, depths, there are many textures. There's a lot that's there. And quite frankly, there's more differences than we think. Not every straight white guy from South Carolina is the exact same. They're very different. They're extremely different. Hell, a boy from Greenville is different than a boy from Myrtle Beach, than a boy from Charleston than a boy from Aiken, than a boy from Traveler's Rest or Campobello or Pumpkin Town. I promise you there's major differences. And, we, and for some reason, we just fail to see that. We're okay on a larger scale. We're okay with Americans or British or Britons. <laughs> British, that's what in the world. Uh, Spaniards, Germans, Asian, Russian. We're, we're okay in that way. I mean, you hear people say all the time, hey, all of us over here don't know what's wrong with you Americans. Oh, my God. Do you know how many people are different over here? Or the fact that for some reason I'm supposed to think that your one standpoint covers all of Great Britain. I don't know. I had Zuby on this show not too long ago. He, he disagrees with a lot of the people that I see speaking out of Britain right now. He's from there. Went to Oxford. Very smart dude, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to beat this dead horse too long, but I, I, I can't tell you enough how one of the things that comedians, where they really help us is, is helping us take a look at ourselves and say, you know what, I, I need to settle the hell down a little bit. Look at this Easter. You're spending it on your couch if you're at church, you're doing couch church, watching it on TV, you're listening to it over the internet. You're not going over to grandma's. You shouldn't be. Grandma might be susceptible to anything you may be carrying right now. We're not going out and doing Easter egg hunts uh, amongst everybody that's out there. No, we're spending it at home, stripped down. Stripped down to its core, maybe to what it should be. You see, you see Easter is weird. Because suddenly you're having to look at Easter the way my wife and I have looked at holidays for the past three years. What's important? What matters? What needs to be there? Where does your focus need to be? If you didn't have anybody else or anything else, would this holiday, would this time still mean something to you? For my friends of different faiths or of no faith, it's not just the holiday. It's what you've been going through the past couple of weeks. What's important to you? What means the most? What do you miss? What are you not going to take for granted when you come out of this? Now, I did a show over a year ago talking about the short attention span we have when it comes to school shootings. I have told anyone 
that if you've listened to that show, to email me the moment that anything I said in that show is not true. I have never gotten an email or a phone call on it. Our short attention span on that stuff is interesting. It pops back up when someone wants to make a political viewpoint or when another tragedy happens, and then we forget about it. We don't forget about it, but we don't have it on our plate of these are my top things to do. As we're all sitting around right now, have you looked back on those things that you think, man, that should have been higher up on the priority list? When I was able to do stuff, I should have done something about that. Not just that. Friends you should have called. Family members you should be close to. All that stuff. All that stuff we talk about. Just like the diversity we all say we want. We say we want it, but we don't practice it when it's right in front of us. We say we want to get all this other crap done, and we want to do it, but we don't do it when we have the opportunity. Then when we sit there by ourselves on an Easter Sunday when it is a holiday that no matter what your faith is, you're probably either out on spring break or doing something with family, celebrating in church, getting together with people that drive you nuts, eating and enjoying time, time right now that you miss. People that drive you crazy, but you can't see them. Friends, if you want a hug, but you can't. That Christmas, that Christmas at New Brooklyn Tavern, that Christmas, I, I'll never forget what happened. It, it was, it, it, well, before they built the new building, it overlooked the river downtown right over the state capitol building, where the Confederate flag, as Chad and I were laughing about before, not long was still flying on the state house grounds. And I was in this bar, and I was there. It was the night I met Jen Snyder, who's been on the show. I think she was on last year. A wonderful, wonderful comedian. I saw Jen Snyder get up. She introduced herself as a lesbian Viking that night. Saw this African-American guy get up and do one of the best bit pieces I've ever seen in a four-minute span. He walked off the stage, left a minute on there. Saw another guy as a trans person get up there and tell jokes about himself, about his group, about his beliefs. It sounds, it sounds like it sounds like the, 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 the beginning and the setup of a joke, a really bad one. Hey, a straight white guy, an African-American, a trans, and a lesbian Viking all walk into a bar. And you know what happened? They had Christmas. That's what happened. A group of people that were pushed together because of wherever they were in their lives, wherever there wasn't an inn open for them, wherever there wasn't a place that was acceptable or accepting of them, wherever there were people that they couldn't get close with, wherever there were people who found a common ground and were able to put their arms around each other, share drinks, buy drinks for each other, give, give pointers on jokes, sit there and, and do what they love and have a good time laughing and cheering the other one on. It was Christmas. It was Christmas. It was the strangest-looking Christmas I've ever had, but I'll be damned if it wasn't Christmas. It's one of my favorite Christmases I ever had. And I didn't have either one of my girls with me. Just me and my wife. It was brilliant. And it was full of love and things that we loved and cheer 
and laughter. And it couldn't have been more different than comedy. Comedy brought us together. There were jokes made about white people, about trans, about blacks, about lesbians. There were jokes made about all of them. We sat there and we laughed because we were letting it go because we needed to. In a time when we can be too uptight, we've let that thing about being offended rule us too damn long. Since you've been home by yourself, how much do the things that offend you every day really matter? You know why they may matter? If you say, Chad, they matter a lot, because you allow for them to matter. Ricky Gervais said something one time that I thought was one of the most poignant and brilliant lines that anyone has ever written. Going back to Shakespeare, too. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Rushing to that extreme to say, I'm offended, doesn't shut everybody else down. But we, we've gotten to the point where we think that's a thing now. That it's, it's actually a, a, a very intellectual aspect to, to reach. I'm offended. Oh, they're offended. Well, they've, they've reached the plateau before the rest of us. This guy over here has facts. This guy over here has, has a couple of really good theories, but, but you're offended. So let's, let's, you know what, let's just stop and let you talk and we'll just go with whatever your ruling is. No, that's not how it works. As a matter of fact, when you get too offended, when you get too irate, when you get too obsessed, when you get to being snobbish, you've lost. You're missing out. You're putting up blocks. You're putting up blocks that are keeping you from from hearing it. I, I've listened to people that drive me nuts. Oh, my God. I've listened to people at work that drive me crazy. But I keep reminding myself, don't, don't, don't go down that road. Don't let your brain do that. Don't let it put up that wall. They, they may have a point here. They just don't know how to get to it without offending people. And I have gotten some of the best ideas from people that I can't stand to hear them talk. Seriously. You miss out. So as we're coming out of what I hope is the worst of where we've been with all this, and we're making a turn. I hope. I hope that's where we are. We've still got a little bit of time left. What are you going to do with that time you got left? You got some things you wish you'd done around the house? You, you wish you'd been running like your neighbors have been running? You wish you'd spend a little bit more time, even if it's FaceTiming with these loved ones that you haven't seen in a while? You want to sit down with, with your husband or your wife and say, hey, let's just sit on the front steps for a bit. Not just me and you. Just, just for a little bit. Let's forget about everything and just sit down here and have fun. Just talk. Laugh about the neighbors. Falling down drunk on their face. Two o'clock in the afternoon. That actually happened at our house. <laughs> it's okay. My neighbor doesn't listen to the show. His, he does, his, his girlfriend busted. I think she broke her blender. I don't know what she was doing with it at two in the afternoon, but it's hilarious. They're young. This is what we need to do. We need to take stock in the crap that's important. We need to let go of the stuff that's not. And when we come out of this, we need to remember that. And we need to put our priorities in order. And we need to cut the fat out of the places that it doesn't need to be and get it to where it should be. And, oh, my God, at the same time, if you're having a hard time finding out what that needs to be, sit down and think about things you would make fun of yourself for. If you can't do it, call up Chad. He could probably do it for you. 
we we can all we can all be better. We can all do better. This Easter is weird. It's weird for a good reason because maybe maybe this is the time we need. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the this is the point in our lives, the collective of the world we're in, where we need to realize what stuff doesn't really matter, what stuff does, and realize that we don't have to pick a fight with every bit of it. Not all of it has to be addressed. Some of it needs to be addressed immediately. Where is that in your life right now? Don't worry about everybody else. Because actually, for the next couple of weeks, you still don't have them. Fix home now. Your relationships, your habits, the bad things in your life that you don't want there. The stuff that when you come out of this, you don't want holding you back anymore. Then, take that person who's better and make the other things better. And branch out slowly that way as far as you can reach And I promise you, I promise you if we do that, that all of us will find a better world than the one we left a month ago. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. Yes, we will see you next week. Thanks again to Chad Prather for coming on. Had a great time with him. Go check us out, localbarmedia.com. Check out Don Merkel and all the stuff that he's got working on. Do something good that your future self's going to thank you for. Till then, take care. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com.